0: hey everyone welcome to the best Trainees Forward up podcast a conversational space where we delve into the issues and challenges that come with adulthood tune in every week as we chat with amazing individuals on how their unique perspectives and approaches to life have helped them overcome their greatest growing pains to be the best version of themselves let's face it transitions are not easy but just want to let you know that we're all in this together. Time to get some inspiration and actionable insights today. Thank you for tuning in and let's kick off today's episode. Well, hello, hello. Hope everyone's keeping up fine during this quarantine season. I know being locked in at home can be tough, so we have a very interesting episode ahead to keep you company and get you inspired. In conjunction with the fact that today we have our very first guest interview, we have lined up a special giveaway for all our listeners out there. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram at best20sforward and stay tuned till the end. Today, here with us, we have our very first guest, Rachel She She's a talented multidisciplinary artist based out of Singapore, whose work has been featured in numerous local exhibitions. Photography is her main way of creative expression, and when she's not creating thought-provoking imagery, she works with various local brands within Singapore as a creative director slash photographer. Rachel, thank you so much for spending time with us. I've known you and have been following your work for quite a while, but for our listeners who are new to you, can you share more about yourself? Thank you for having me on your podcast as your first guest.
1: A huge honour. <laughs> um, so I'm Rachel, I am a freelance photographer and also an artist. I... Um, started a platform as well called The Starving Artists to help underrepresented artists in Singapore.
0: Let's talk about your journey as a professional photographer. How do you get started in your career? Um, so I started photography when
1: I was still studying um, design in polytechnic. I was studying architecture at that time and used photography and styling as a means to escape uh, my miserable life. I was not enjoying architecture at all, and took only I guess the the things that I was good at, which was to conceptualize, and I used that to explore a new different uh, medium in my life. So that was photography and styling, and afterwards I didn't actually take it seriously. So in uni I studied comms, and then I went on to a marketing job like full time and I, I worked there for I think close to two years and during that time I just realized that it's not like this path that I have kind of set up for myself that was or should have been something that was I guess uh, socially acceptable but it's it was causing me so much misery that I would turn to photography and styling in my free time like I did in design school as a means to escape. So I left my job um, two years ago, I think, and just decided to just take it very seriously as my job, like do photography full-time and offer my services, styling and set design.
0: Wow, that's quite a transition. Um, was it a natural move for you to move from architecture to photography?
1: Um, I think it... A lot of things. So a lot of things I do in life is very much born out of boredom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I think I am just the sort of person that when I find that I am not investing hundred percent in something, that I would try to learn something else instead and see if that actually fits in my life. Uh, thankfully, photography and styling actually did. Um, yeah, I. I think that a lot of creative people would say, and I would too as well, that it's not something that we choose really for ourselves, we kind of veer towards it. Um, Since I was really really young, I think, um, around like 10, 9 or 10, I realised that I really liked um art. I really like painting and drawing and looking at art, and so I decided to join the art club. <laughs> And I would spend, like, so many afternoons after school just um, discovering charcoal or marker or paint or watercolour. And I think that really set me up for going towards the arts. Because even in secondary school, I would ace, I'll I'll be, like, great in literature, but, like, shit in maths. So it's, like,
0: you (laughs) know... Wow, I can imagine how challenging it would have been for you in the beginning when you decided to focus on photography as a career full-time instead of it being just a hobby. Um, And to eventually be able to be your own creative director directing your own shoot for brands, that must have been quite a journey, isn't it? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> boy oh boy, the journey was long. Um. <laughs> Um, I think right after leaving my full-time job, I was very lost, like I didn't know how to approach clients, I didn't know how to invoice them, I didn't know um, what kind of clauses I could put in my invoice, and like what I could say no to, so there were a lot of yeses to really low um, income jobs, like it was like, they were like, well, exploiting me, but it it was a journey like it's I think also part of it um is a building of your character and your confidence so I I would say that um definitely the biggest thing that I've learned from all of this is to say no (laughs) even though like it costs a lot yeah
0: well okay now I'm curious when you quit your job and made the decision to work for yourself do you actually have it all planned out beforehand and have a list of clients that you were going to work with? Or was it more like a leap of faith? Mm, it was a leap of faith, actually, to
1: have just, like, like left my job because I think um, I was very unsure of who would actually accept me as a photographer because I was only known as an Instagrammer before then. And... I was lucky enough that throughout my eight years of um, building up my Instagram, building up my connections, that I landed my first job before I actually left my full-time job. So shout out to Lloyd's Inn. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for following and like believing me. Like My first ever job, they gave me so much credit. Um, And that just set me up for other jobs because they saw Lloyd's Inn as a brand that they already knew. So it was, like, it was really a blessing in
0: disguise. Wow, I'm really happy to hear that it all worked out for you. But in hindsight, though, would you recommend the same approach to everyone? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely.
1: I, I mean, I can't say the same for everyone else, but I'm the type of person that, like, if I'm miserable at some, like, some space, like, I need to get out, like, ASAP. So I I think it's definitely worked out for me in my path, but I would not say that it would work the same way for someone else.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it is important to do your own checks and balances at the end of the day. If there is one thing that I can add on is that career in the creative field takes time and you have to be patient. You really cannot expect things to work out instantly. You need time to build up your portfolio, reputation, and amongst many other things before you're able to make a living out of it. So, Rachel, now as we look back, what do you think was your biggest learning point?
1: Um, definitely, I think uh, savings was one of them. Um, I was never really good at saving money. So, I think for the first two months, I didn't realize that you had to have a, maybe like, like a plan <laughs> to have like maybe five months of savings um, in your bank before you actually do something I mean obviously that's a safe uh, way to do it to have savings um, while you actually um, send a bunch of emails to people that you don't know and, and hope that they email you back and like arrange a call and then look at your portfolio of work and just like hopefully hire you so that, I think that was a major, major thing that I wish in hindsight that I kind of knew.
0: Starting out is always a challenge, huh? I'm just curious, what got you through the difficult times when you're facing roadblocks, rejections, and difficulties while you try to build your career? Ooh, um, as cheesy as it sounds, definitely the support of my family and friends.
1: Oh, I'm cringing right now but it's so it's so cheesy but it's so true Um, you definitely need a support system around you um, even when you're flying high and getting like a lot of jobs per month and earning like a stable income for a few months I definitely think no matter what you need a support system around you like people who understand um, what freelancing is like, um, what kind of challenges you're facing and can provide alternative solutions to the challenges that you're facing right now
0: you know taking a leap of faith and going after a pursuit you're passionate about most often than not it's accompanied by its own set of fears Mm. um how do you get over your own fear of failure or you know have you ever had any doubts on your own capabilities in the beginning Mm. I think I mean, a lot of friends around me as well
1: are always thinking about like different and new things that they could do but never actually doing it. Um, I've realized that after kind of reflecting on myself and like everyone around me, I realised that the biggest hurdle that we can have for ourselves is the um fear of failing. Um and the humiliation or disappointment that comes around it. I I think even from, like, a young age, like, I honestly didn't really care. I mean, I of course, like, it's. I think it's very much a personality thing and I have the blessing as well to have a supportive family who doesn't really, like, give a shit if I, I fail. I mean, obviously, like, academics, they were, like, really, like, tightly, like, controlling me about that. But when it comes to other things, like the arts, like, they know that... Um, it's okay to fail because art is not something that you can quantify in grades or you can quantify in like, um, like the amount of money that you can actually earn from it. It's a lot about the journey and, I mean, if you fail, then fail, like, so what, you know? Like, who's, who's like, even if, if people are disappointed in you and they kind of rat you out and like humiliate you for that, like, honestly, it's your life. Like, 20 years down the road, can you say that these people are going to be in your life? Yeah, so that is my mentality.
0: Being a freelancer comes with its own set of, you know, good and bad. You're pretty much your own boss and you have total control over your time. Do you have any tips to share on how to create boundaries while dealing with demanding or unreasonable clients? I
1: think a lot of times um, when we have free reign of, of our time, that It's very very tempting to work through the night um, or to wake up really early in the morning and then just work from nine all the way to two a.m. It's like it's very tempting, especially if a workaholic like me. Um, but you have to just like be very strict with yourself and say that okay, this is what time I'll start work. Like no matter what, how late. Like maybe you start like after lunch at one, but you have to set a time to end work and anything that comes after that. You have to um, let clients know that I'm sorry, but this is off my working hours. Even though I'm a freelancer, and I will attend to your emails or your requests tomorrow. And most of the time, when you actually uh, set these boundaries from the get go, they would completely get it. It's just once you you say like, oh, okay, sure, like I'll do it, and then the next time they would. Um, expect the same thing from you again and then you have to kind of like say no or like keep saying yes and then it just creates this really bad relationship between you and them
0: as we all know the COVID-19 pandemic situation has hit the creative industry pretty hard how have things been for you um truthfully
1: my bank account is looking very shit right now (laughs) Um, I had so many plans for this year, like thrown out the window right now. But um, financially wise, I would say that I'm not doing very well. And I can say the same about a lot of my friends as well that we're kind of stuck, um, not knowing what the future would hold, like how our jobs will look like, uh, how much demand will pull afterwards. And also, yeah, I can just see from my different clients who like sell clothing or like sell different things in retail that they are also worried as well um they don't know if people buy they don't know like a lot of things and it just a lot of us we rely on each other it's it's very like in the market it, i mean for any industry but yeah with one feels like everyone is pretty much affected
0: We've spoken quite a fair bit about your career as a creative director slash photographer. But if there is one thing that you need to know about Rachel is that she creates amazing art. And most of the time, the images that she chooses to portray through her photography, are often inspired by, you know, the issues that she stands for or the emotions that she feels within. So, Rachel, can you share with us some of the issues you stand for or some of the issues that you have chosen to bring awareness to through your photographs? Um,
1: Definitely, as a um, female identifying as a woman, I definitely... I'm very much, uh, strongly opinionated about um issues concerning women. Um, I'm also very interested in um just expressing my mental issues, uh, emotions. Like, how can I, act, like look for things in nature or like express it through my own body, for example. So those are the things that I have been kind of grappling with um these days, and I have been creating work. Of of those emotions.
0: Relating to this, you have created a collection called Sculptural, where it is about taking back control over how the female physique is portrayed and show it from your own perspective. Because what you feel is that more often than not, how the female body is portrayed in the media comes from a male perspective. Can you tell us more about the inspiration behind this collection? Um
1: so sculpture was the first ever like art kind of like like serious art that I I put out there. It it was it was just like born out of this feeling of being really really frustrated and really really tired of how I felt when men were just staring at me. Like for example like if I would go to like on like somewhere else, and then I'll take the train or a bus, and then I would notice like a few men, like on and off, they would just be staring at me for no reason, and that just felt so invasive. And it felt like I was being bullied by these strangers, and especially by men in society here. And that ha- this has happened to me and my friends for quite some time. I think like since puberty. Or since we started like feeling more like um, females, and I just one day I was just like really tired. Like I just set up my tripod and put on like my film camera, and then I just stripped in my bedroom, and then just just felt it just felt so free. Like I honestly didn't know how anything would turn out because I wasn't really using a film camera much back then. And I had no idea how to adjust, like the distance and like everything. It was just, yeah, it was a really surprising, uh, like, outcome. And I think also, I think through the process of me just posing and all that, like I felt like I was posing for myself and I was acting for myself because I was in the room like by myself. No one was looking, and it was just. Me being really raw, trying to portray how it felt as a woman, and trying to like subvert that male gaze.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. For most of us here who hasn't seen the collection yet, can you describe to us what actually the collection looks like? Sculpture is basically um, film
1: images uh, on self-portraits of a lot of like different like zoom in parts of my body and then like I meant it to be very abstract like make, like for example I would I took like a picture of my butt like but in a different angle and some people thought those were my knees and not actually my butt and then like I took the side of my body like the fats when you actually bend over enough and like some people thought that was like my thigh or something.
0: Well, that's really interesting. And, well, word has it that this collection has made itself into an exhibition somewhere in Korea. Am I right?
1: I mean, if anyone lives in Seoul, um, head over to Sika Museum. Um, I think it's a little bit outside Seoul. Um, it's in Incheon, if I'm not wrong. So, uh, very close to the airport. Um, yeah, I will be showing sculptural in a group exhibition and it is in a very quaint and very cute museum that used to be a former artist studio. Yeah. And it has a lot of sunlight. Like when I saw the museum, I was like, oh, perfect. Like everything's falling into place for this sculptural piece.
0: Wow, Rachel, that sounds so exciting. And I'm so, so happy for you. Um, Apart from sculptural, you have also created another set of photographs called um, The Things Within. Uh, They're pretty much inspired by the elusiveness of your own feelings. um, Something that is pretty much a characteristic of how daunting it can feel to be grappling with adulthood. Can you maybe share a little bit about that with us as well?
1: Mm. So The Things Within is a a project that I did based off of my unexplainable sadness um, that I felt was within me for quite some time. Um, I think maybe like once or twice a month, I would feel this unexplainable deep pain and sadness And then for like maybe a week, I would just like lie curled up in bed, um, not wanting to go out, not wanting to speak to a lot of people and just crying almost every night. And I had no idea why. Like it's, it's, yeah. So I thought best to create a project that I could actually show people or show myself that this is actually how I felt and this is this might be something that someone else is feeling as well and i realized that after i created this project that a lot of people were feeling the same way it's a lot of i guess a combination of anxiety and sadness and like feeling like things are out of your control that you can't actually be very much in control of your life so the project very much documents how I am in this like sad cocoon and then just emerging or trying to emerge out of it but um, at the end like, you can see like you there is no picture of me like without the cloth and that kind of signifies that I live with this like even though it's it's something that is so like light and like almost translucent that I can't get rid of it like because it's very
0: much like a part of me. Wow, Rachel, how do you get inspired to basically create your artwork? Like, where does the inspiration come from and how do you decide what medium to choose? You know, what kind of pictures to create?
1: I always have an image and a feeling in mind uh, when it, when I come up with like a concept and then it just... I don't want to sound like a prick, but like, it just flows, you know? <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, so maybe I can explain a the of things within. When I felt like I wanted to express this sadness, I immediately thought that I didn't, I didn't want to do something depressing. I didn't want to make people feel that, you know, like it's a stereotypical, like sad kind of uh, art piece. Like, I don't want to be in like a dark room, like all by myself. Like I wanted to change that, and I wanted to create like a sort of hope for myself and for other people that you know we we kind of do get out of this, and it's just how much do we get out of it, and how much of it is our choice, and so I wanted to create like a more like floaty, like um a very um what's another? It's like it's flowy, like windy, flowy kind of
0: feel. I think the word that you're looking for is contrast. You're trying to bring across that juxtaposition between the whole heaviness of the topic and the lightness of the medium that you used uh within the art piece. Yes.
1: Oh my god, you need to be my assistant, like my PR manager. <laughs> I'm so I'm so bad at explaining my things. I'm just like, oh, it just it just flows, you know.
0: <laughs> but yes, lightness and heaviness. That's fantastic. Are we expecting any more artwork, you know, to come out from you soon? Any projects that you'll be launching anytime soon?
1: Ooh, um, I feel like COVID has really like brought this heavy dark cloud over me and I just can't think very clearly right now um, because I, I mean, art is basically clear thinking about mixed feelings. And I would say that I'm not like in a very good, place for clear thinking because of all the anxiety but um I did have a in an idea the other night that I wanted to create a new kind of map in Singapore and you know because we're all in isolation right now and that one of I guess one of my escapes to kind of travel like quote-unquote travel is through Google Maps so I, I wanted to um kind of like Get in contact with like a bunch of of my friends or like a bunch of connections across the island, and then just recreate this map based on connectivity and based on how the day would look like yeah
0: oh, that sounds exciting, Rachel. I'll keep my eyes peeled for that. hey thank you, my number one fan. <laughs> Well, Rachel, I noticed that your approach to doing things seem to have always been to focus on the process, turning the negative into something productive or positive, just like your artwork. Um whereas a lot of people sometimes get too fixated with the goals or the returns that they forget to enjoy the process and end up giving up too quickly. Mm, I would de- yeah, definitely.
1: Um I know a lot of people, uh, I mean creative or not, like they aren't happy unless they reach like a certain goal. But I feel like no matter what um, part of the journey that you're on, I think that it's very good to just look at how much you've achieved so far. And then by this philosophy, I feel like I am very happy.
0: Now, apart from being a photographer and an artist who constantly creates art, um you're also constantly paying it forward in various means and ways that you can within the art community. And one of the ways that you mentioned earlier on in our interview is that you have created this platform called Um The Starving Artists where itself the underrepresented artist community. Um can you share a little bit more about the inspiration behind that? Mm, um so after I started being a, like a
1: full-time creative, I attended a lot of different panel talks and a lot of different discussions and always realized like I never really got much out of it. and that was very frustrating for me. like even if I were to go to an institution like National Gallery or something, like I never really felt like I learned a lot from a panel discussion or like a kind of gathering. And so that was one of my frustrations. And after hearing so many of my friends say, like, you know, like, I want to do this, but I don't have the resources, I want to do that, but I don't have the platform, like, I don't know who to turn to. Like, it's it's something that I felt very much personally as well. And, you know, just one day, like, after attending a, a panel talk, like, I decided you know, that is it. Like, I've had it. And I decided to... Um, just start the Slaving artists. Like I wanted to give back to the community, um, to build something that we can all look and say, like, hey, like this is the kind of people that I know. Like they have the same issues as me. Like I can go to this event and I can go to this platform and I can feel safe and welcome. And that is one of the the main things I think that I have achieved so far. I mean, there's definitely a lot to do to ensure that but um yeah i think it's so far like it's going pretty
0: well how long has the starving artist been around oh very young um started
1: late november so I think like three months, three, four months.
0: Yeah. So has the distancing measures and the stay home restrictions technically affected the level of activity or, you know, the campaigns that the starving artist is, is trying to push forward? Mm. For sure.
1: Um, so we have four different events every month. So we have a discussion, we have a Meet the artists session, and then we have an exhibition and then also like a like a de-stressing painting session in the garden. So a lot of these events are based on actually meeting someone in real life and just like having a chat and then connecting with the community. So it's been quite tough because, I mean, even if you do like something online, it's not the same as something offline. And a lot of people have realized that. So I have just been still putting out um, a monthly discussion, a Meet the Artists um, online chat. But for the exhibitions, like unfortunately, we have to just wait until um, we are allowed to like, do business as usual.
0: Well, Rachel, trust me, I'm in the same boat as you. Everyone had many plans until this situation happened. But I'm just curious to find out as well, um, how is a platform like The Starving Artists um, differ from your typical institutionalized avenues or traditional avenues where um, artists get to showcase their work? Um, I would say that...
1: um... The starving artist is not like Jesus.
0: <laughs> it's not like the Redeemer.
1: Like, I, I definitely think that we need more platforms that are similar, that can provide alternative revenues and spaces for artists in Singapore. Um, definitely, I think one thing that a lot of people have told me and I have observed myself is that compared to an institutionalised uh, exhibition, um, the exhibitions that I hold are very much community-centric. like centric. So when you go there, like it's not something that is like, oh, you have to stand in front of a painting or you stand in front of like, a photograph and like stare at it and then not, not really know who the artist is. I make it a point to have the artist of the month showing to always be present so that everyone can just kind of have a casual chat and we create this um, kind of space where it's very cosy. You can, like, sit around. Like, I mean, if we are having it in, like, a cafe or, like, uh, for in January we had it in a hostel. So we had cultures, like, you could order drinks, you could order, like, some snacks or something. So it's very much different where the exhibitions are meant for you to stay for very long.
0: Well... While we're on the topic of paying it forward and doing something for the community, um, I know Rachel has something planned to help others during this difficult time, particularly um, donating to the different causes that helps those affected during this pandemic. Uh, Rachel, can you tell us more about that? Mm, Um. So I decided to offer up my
1: services uh, com- that I do commercially to people that might be interested in learning something or trying something new. So I am hosting a quarantine lunchtime styling session. And this one is actually um, a donation-based class um, that I felt like I needed to have it donation based because I heard so many people struggling and I know it's not an easy time for anyone even though I need to earn money but I yeah like I just hope that this session could or can be a like a ray of hope and sunshine and it will just yeah we're having lunch after styling together and like we're making friends so if anyone wants to just like make new friends I think that that would be a very fun thing to
0: do. Oh my gosh, this is such a good way to spend time during quarantine season as well. What can we expect during the session? Do we need elaborate equipment like a DSLR, camera and all of that? So this one is purely a styling session. So um,
1: for the lunchtime um, styling session, definitely we need your lunch. <laughs> we need a plate to have your lunch. So I am uh, using things that we normally find in our own home, our own homes, like a cup, um, plate, like a book, uh, maybe like some cloth that you might have, like anything pretty that you think you want to add into it. And we will just all be uh, styling together. So I would probably send out a kind of like theme, for everyone like maybe it's like a romantic theme and then we'll all like do our own take on it like at the same time
0: wow rachel you really have quite a number of things going on for you isn't it from your career your artwork and also your work within the art community um so what's next in store for you are you gonna have maybe your own museum or how do you want to be famous Oh, jeez. No, man. I am <laughs> I am definitely not one of those
1: who, like, um, have all these goals mm-hmm. when I was younger. Like, I had no idea what I wanted to be. And I mean, even now, like, I don't really aspire to be, like, popular or, like, famous or, like, on a successful list. Like, it's... I I just want to help out as much as I can or, like, to make a difference in someone else's life through whatever means that I choose i mean i have i have no plans as of now so (laughs) taking it
0: chill (laughs) well thank you so much rachel for taking the time out to speak with us today and yes we would like to thank our listeners as well for staying tuned with us so we're giving away two styling session passes with rachel all you have to do is follow us on instagram at best 20s forward and dm us with the message quarantine styling sessions. Two lucky winners will win a chance to up your Instagram game with beautifully styled sets. I think this is such a good way to spend your time during this quarantine period. So hurry on and follow us on Instagram. For those of you who are keen to find out more about Rachel's work or you would like to follow her on Instagram, her details can be found on our Instagram page at Best Forward. I hope you have gained something valuable from today's podcast. If you like us, hit the subscribe and follow button. If there's anything for us to improve, kindly give us feedback on our Instagram page. Thank you so much, guys. See you in the next episode.